0: This is AutoLine Daily, the show for people who really want to know what's going on in the global automotive industry. We start out this morning in the United Kingdom where Aston Martin is using an axe to cut its headcount. It's laying off one out of every five employees in a desperate move to cut costs. It's also slashing capital investment in new equipment. Aston is losing money and recently pushed out its veteran CEO, Andy Palmer. The company is pinning all of its hopes on its first SUV, the DBX, which is priced at nearly $190,000. It goes on sale this summer, and Aston says it already has a lot of orders. Sticking with Europe for the moment, Peugeot revealed the next generation of its e-traveler van, it comes with two different battery sizes, either a 50- or 75-kilowatt-hour battery, which provide up to 300 kilometers, or 205 miles, of WLTP range. The new eTraveler also comes in three different lengths and seating for up to nine people. General Motors is also developing electric vans for commercial use. According to Reuters, the van is codenamed BV-1, And will start going into production late next year. We believe you get a glimpse of what the van could look like at the end of this short 13-second video that GM released in March with all the news about its new Ultium battery. And now the question for GM is, should it be sold as a Chevrolet and or a GMC or sold under a completely different brand? Let us know what you think they ought to do in the comments section. And GM's not the only major automaker with plans for electric vans. Ford has an electric transit van coming, and it has close ties with Rivian, which is also making vans for Amazon. And UPS and the Hyundai Group are investing in an e-van called Arrival. But not all the news about vans today is electric. Ford's now installing 10-speed automatics in the rear-drive transit vans with diesel engines in Europe. That setup allows the van to tow up to 2,800 kilograms, or roughly 6,200 pounds, and it's in production right now. GM is also going to work closely with CATL, the Chinese company that is the world's largest EV battery manufacturer. GM wants to source 100% of EV components in China for the electric vehicles that it's going to make there. CATL already has deals to supply batteries, to Volkswagen and Tesla in China. And of course, with local Chinese content, automakers' cars can qualify for sales subsidies. And if you'd like to learn more about CATL, we recently had its former chief technology officer, Bob Gallion, on AutoLine After Hours. There's a lot of good information in that show of how CATL plans to cut the cost of batteries and the thinking behind its manufacturing strategy. Just click on the link in today's show notes to go right to that program. One reason why Europe historically incentivized sales of diesel engines is that they have roughly 25% better fuel efficiency than gasoline engines and they emit lower levels of CO2. But with the Volkswagen diesel emissions cheating scandal, sales of diesels are down in Europe and as a result, CO2 emissions are up. In 2018, which represents the latest available data, CO2 emissions went up 2 grams per kilometer, reaching 120.8 grams per kilometer. The EU is warning the auto industry it has to do better. Starting this year, EU regulations mandate that automakers must have a fleet average of 95 grams. EVs, hybrids, and plug-ins will reduce CO2 emissions, but so far their sales numbers are too small to lower the fleet-wide average. In the U.S., EV sales are down, but not down nearly as much as the rest of the market. Last month, consumers bought over 14,000 EVs. That was down 21% from a year ago, but the overall market was down 30%, so EVs actually picked up some market share. Hybrids fell by 37%, and plug-in hybrids dropped 45%. Meanwhile, diesels are holding their own better than any other propulsion system. They were only down 14%, while sales of gasoline engines were down the same as the overall market. But these numbers really show the sales disparity between all the different choices. Gasoline engines literally outsell EVs by a million to one. Nissan's EVs all use single electric motors, typically for front-wheel drive, but in the future, it will offer all-wheel drive using its upcoming E-Force technology. That system, which uses dual electric motors, provides better acceleration, better cornering performance, and better traction on slippery surfaces. It can transfer 100% of the power to the front or rear wheels and any kind of mix in between, depending on the conditions. Nissan says it also helps improve comfort by managing the regenerative braking of the front and rear electric motors to reduce pitch and dive to keep the car level. The E-Force technology is in the final stages of development, but Nissan has not said when we're going to see it in a production vehicle. Nikola Motors, which is developing fuel cell-powered heavy-duty electric trucks, is working on creating a network of hydrogen refueling stations throughout the United States. It just purchased $30 million worth of electrolysis equipment to create the hydrogen fuel. The 85-megawatt electrolyzers will be used at five sites initially, and they have the capacity to produce eight tons of hydrogen a day. And as long as we're talking about Nikola, we want to let you know that we're going to have the CEO of the company, Trevor Milton, on AutoLine After Hours next week. We'll be learning a lot from him about hydrogen power and when Nikola expects to roll out its fuel cell semis. And later this afternoon on After Hours, we're going to have Ian Smith from the Southwest Research Institute, bringing us up to speed with all the R&D that they're doing on electric vehicles. SWRI is an independent, nonprofit RD r R&D center based in Texas, that's been on the bleeding edge of technology since 1947. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone Tires. Your journey, our passion. A number of European cities have announced they'll eventually ban vehicles with internal combustion engines. Plug-in hybrid vehicles offer an opportunity to travel through these cities as long as they're in electric mode only. So the city of Torino teamed up with FCA to test a system that automatically switches a PHEV to EV mode when it goes into the zones that ban ICEs. Here's how it works. Any time a vehicle is entering a restricted zone, a message pops up in the display. The system checks that EV mode is ready and then switches over to electric power. If the driver switches back to any other mode while in the restricted zone, an alert is triggered and the system recommends switching back. If the driver doesn't do it, the city is notified, so it sounds like the fines are automated as well. Once the vehicle exits a restricted zone, the system turns back to the same setting before it entered that zone. And once again we're talking about big bold grill designs, but this time from Hyundai. Take a look at the refreshed Santa Fe. The outer section of the grille is actually where the headlamps are housed. The thin lights above the grille are the Daytime Running Lights, or DRLs, somewhat reminiscent of the 2014 Jeep Cherokee. The rear fascia also sees big changes with all-new tail lamps and an overall more premium look. To make the new Santa Fe look a little more rugged and powerful, the width of the wheel arches was increased. And for the first time, the Santa Fe comes with a terrain mode selector, which has settings for sand, mud, and snow. The interior was also redesigned with a new center console, and it gets a 10.25-inch touchscreen display. But Hyundai did not provide any pictures of the interior, and I'm sure we'll soon learn more about it. And speaking of big, bold grills, we just had to share this post from Kevin Hissel, who is one of the funniest guys on Facebook. He saw our comments about the gargantuan grill on the front of the new BMW 4 series and reimagined how BMW is going to grow that grill over the next several decades all the way to the point that the 4 series has just one big giant grill on four wheels. And on that note, we wrap up today's report. Thanks for watching.